Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of This Week in the Bush League, hosted by the Chief and the Champ. I'm the Chief. Baseball's about to fall apart in the next five days, and thanks a lot, Florida Marlins, you jerks. <laughs> Boy, isn't that true? And, and I'll counter that by saying I am living the words of Joe Walsh, which was, they say I'm lazy, but it takes all my time. Life's been good to me so far. <laughs> are you Are you lazy now? Um, you, you know what? I, I think it's all relative, right? Because um, prior to retiring, I, I was going 100 miles uh, a minute. You know, it, it was at least a 10-hour day, 10 to 11-hour day at, at work. Very rarely ate lunch, that type of thing, and was so rigid. And, and now just to be able to do things that, that, that you know, at a, at a leisurely pace. Is, is is great so uh i'm enjoying it it's unfortunate that we're in the environment that that we are right now and uh you know like like you talked about things um happening with the marlins let's let's talk about that yeah i, I mean i guess there's a there's a couple reports out there they went out in atlanta i guess they played some exhibition games prior to going to philly um i think the count as is at 18 to 20 either players and or personnel um, I, I think that is a classic example of young, early 20s, right, going out, thinking they're invincible, um, and not realizing the scope of the impact they make by going out to a bar or a club and then going back into a, you know, a, a sanitized environment and just blowing that whole thing up. That, that's what I, I – that's – it's young people doing this. Yeah, it it, it it makes you wonder, okay, since that demographic is, is probably the super spreader, you know, how are colleges going to survive? How's the NCAA um, and football going to survive? I, I understand on the one hand that the NCAA wants football because that, that is the lifeblood of a lot of sports programs. But on the other hand, it, the possibility of, of Football teams being able to play, it seems seemingly, um, is almost nil. Yeah, and you make a good point about the colleges because I I think what what you're seeing with baseball is, yes, they're professionals and many of them get paid a lot of money, but in the end, they're 22 to 25-year-olds. And they they think like a 22 to 25-year-old. They're just really good at what they do. There's a difference. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. And, you know, the unfortunate part for, you know, at, at least the professional players, um, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, you know, they have a players' union protecting them. Um, college football players, college athletes have nobody protecting them. So, you know, it's a lot to heap on their backs to, uh, to say, hey, we want, I, I know they want to play, but it, it just may not be the right thing. Yeah, yeah, we'll so we'll see. If baseball will be a good indicator uh, of how football will go. Basketball is a little more controlled. Um, you know, what, once they start those playoffs and teams are ousted, they're going to go home. So the the number of people that are there will reduce. Um, I I think they can they can do this. Um, so yeah, um, it, it's yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how if if baseball can last more than the next ten days, but. Um, anyway, we do have, um, we, you know, as many of you know, we, we had our, our Bush League draft a couple weeks ago. We, are, we just finished our first full week. Um, it's the second 
league week, right? Um, again, had some yes. problems with CBS Sports with the FAB with our with our free agent acquisition bidding. Um, it keeps threatening to process our our bids, but it never seems to happen. And I'm not even sure if it's even relevant at this point. Um, so if you're listening, yeah, it it FAB didn't go off this week, and we don't know if it's going off tomorrow or the next week. So just hang in there. Uh, it'll happen when it happens. Here's what, I, here's what I find is funny is, you know, one of the people that was really dogging them was uh, Bob Kirk, um, owner of the Hawks. And, uh, you know, right now he has a sizable lead. So I, I think that, you know, maybe he is in cahoots with CBS. And I think he do, uh, protests too much. Um, I, I think he's doing this with CBS so that we can't catch him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, if, if this was an actual league, uh, he has a, he has a pretty substantial or early lead and, and, uh, um, it's funny how CBS picked him to be ninth and he's, he's going to run, <laughs> he's going to run away and hide here in a couple minutes, a couple more weeks. Um, but anyway, uh, so we, uh, there's a bit of, there's a bit of collusion. <laughs> so with, with that, we do have another. Well, we we'll have two Bush League guests on uh, this afternoon, and and our first one is uh, Casey, owner of the uh, Mighty Ducks, aka uh, Honey Nut Ichiro's, for this week for this year's, this year's two and a half week season. Um, Case, how you doing today? <laughs> Good. How are you guys doing? We're, well, we're, you've you've heard our conversations, and you, and you listen each week. Uh, it, 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 we we try to find humor. In, uh, in what we're doing here, and we pretend that it's real, this league. Uh, but um, so the last time we talked to you was probably before the original draft was supposed to be set, which was uh, yeah. March-ish. Um, w- w- what have you been doing the past past couple months? Same old things probably as I told you then, work and school. <laughs> it's nothing exciting. And fantasy research. Uh, fantasy baseball research? Any fantasy research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you got any travel plans? No. No. No plans. Yeah. 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 I guess now that uh, our his sister, my daughter Madison, is back, there's you know, we limited plans to to travel plus what's going on anyway. Yeah. Um, what about the draft? That you you've been in snake drafts before, uh, football and baseball. What, what were your thoughts on that? in relative to our normal auction type draft? I definitely prefer the auction drafts. I think you have more control over who you get compared to a snake draft. But um, I did like it for the purpose of the this season. Like, who knows what this season is going to be like, how long it's going to go on at all. And maybe this is the only time us in the Bush League will be doing this from here on out. So it was kind of cool to do it in that, looking at it from that aspect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I agree with that. So looking, looking back at your, your draft this year, um, who do you think your, your best valued pick you, the pick you most like? Well, yeah, honestly, I got Yelich at third who in 99% of 
anyone's draft board is first on the list, and that's for American and National League. So I got him at third overall in a just National League draft. I was pretty happy about that. I know there's injury risk with a guy like him, but there's also best player in the league risk. Yeah. So I was, like, happy to take him at that value. But the obviously, other than him, the big one that I got on my specific board that I was looking at, I got Trevor Bauer, I think, in the fifth round. And I had him as a top 30 player. And he got into some trouble last year, like, on the field with Cleveland. But last year he was a top 20 to top 25 pick in most snake drafts. And I was kind of looking at him. I got him at like 50% later than I should have. Yeah, so Bauer's kind of a wild card. We, we talked about him, Jamie and I, earlier. Um, I guess it was last week. Uh, you know, the, we had talked about the Reds maybe winning some baseball games this year. Yeah. Um, but it, it, he does have a tendency of having high ERAs, but he, he had a good outing and maybe, the, maybe a new – a new city, yeah, um, is is kind of refreshing for him. Yeah, and he was on—he was a borderline like Cy Young pitcher two yeah. out of the last three years in Cleveland, and they just seemed like they didn't really want to pay him when his contract was up. Not that he was talentless or falling apart, and I feel like I got a really good pitcher there later than I should have. Yeah, I I agree with you. What what about uh, someone that you thought, man? I don't I don't I picked this guy now. I'm not sure. I don't know if I have one of those guys. I, I know there's guys that I picked that aren't going to do well, but I was kind of like figured that was going to happen beforehand. I, I don't think there's a guy right now when I was – that I'm looking at my team that I'm kind of disappointed in picking. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right now, if that's what you meant. Yeah, that that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anyone early on, you know, it's been 10 days that it's – you know, that you've had play 10 days – because uh, there's not a lot of players that have actually played 10 days, that you thought, like, all right, man, this guy's actually going to have turned out to be better than I thought he would be. Um, it's tough to tell right now. The only guy that I maybe could say that for is I can't pronounce his name. I picked a outfielder for the Reds, a, a rookie. Um, they look like they're going to play five outfielders. Every day, it looks like every day I look at it, like the other two guys that don't start get in. Akiyama is the guy I'm talking about. Um, but he's actually been getting a lot more playing time than I expected him to and producing in his time. Yeah, and then you're going to have to deal with – if I guess you actually want the fab to happen because if this league continues, Lorenzo Cain went home yesterday. Yeah. 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 That, and that, that's I a big hit. To, I tried to pick him up, yeah. So I, I thought the other guy that you you picked that is I don't know where you picked him in the draft, but Tommy Pham yeah, he's is like third rounder. yeah he, Tommy Pham is having a really good really good beginning of the season, um, and he's a type of player that it's his third team in probably three years, yeah. and you wonder why it's his third team in three years. I mean I get the Cardinals maybe this didn't fit that role out there, but I don't understand Tampa unless he got paid money to go to yeah to go to good. San Diego. Yeah. Um, but he's going to get a chance to play every day without having a fear of losing his job, and and he's he's playing pretty well. Yeah, he does everything. Yeah, um, and Carter Kaiboom is someone who's getting some playing time yep. for you. Um, 
Yelich is hitting 037, but it's, it's, it's still early. Yeah, that'll turn around. Uh, and I guess the surprise is this Travis Arnone, uh, six ribs in the first 10 days. I th- Of course, I think he had five in well, one day. I was going to say he's only played two games, so. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's. off to an MVP start. He's playing pretty well for you. Uh, we talked about Bauer with his 13 Ks in, in opening day. Um, you got Mats with another 10 Ks. Yep, yeah, yeah, he's been pitching well. And what are you going to do with Rick Porcello? Well, he, uh, spoiler alert, he's going to be on the uh, ad drop list if the fab ever goes through. <laughs> so there you go, people. Waka and Porcello are out there for the Mets starting next week. So if you're interested, I think you could probably get him at a dollar. Um, and... <laughs> And, and then the only other guy that got blown up a little bit is Peralta early yeah, on. that's how that goes. You know, Peralta, yeah. every two games he'll have 15 strikeouts in one game and a win, so that's what you get him for. I, I feel like he's a better <laughs> version of Vince Velasquez. I would say that's yeah. probably realistic. Yeah. But his, his good is really good, and his bad is really, really bad. But Yeah. So uh, early on, I, I think you fluctuated in the standings, just like everyone else. I, I think yeah. you've kind of you, second to tenth. Yeah, um, I, I think right now you're you're right below Jamie and I. I think Jamie's fifth, I'm sixth, and and you're seventh. So um, yeah, uh, real quick before we cut you loose, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you think they'll finish beyond? I I think the baseball has no idea what they're doing. Like, especially looking at the other sports, the NBA figured it out. The NFL has at least multiple plans of how to handle things. It doesn't look like baseball had any idea that anything was going on the way that their season has gone so far. And I don't expect them to finish, or if they do, I don't expect it to be with 50% of the actual major league rosters. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're right. Um, yeah. But it'll be fun the next couple of weeks to see, to see what we can do. Um, any other any other thoughts on the on the season uh, as we walk away here? No, just I actually am enjoying this day <laughs> in and day out. It's fun. Like it gives some entertainment to the day that we would be having in the summer. You know, the the league is something I look forward to. And no matter what the state of it is, I'm I'm happy to be participating. And it's like always fun. Like some of these guys that we might have on our rosters here in the next couple of weeks will be relevant two years from now in our league. So it's just cool to keep an eye on guys that I wouldn't necessarily be keeping an eye on today, you know? Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. And, yeah. and if anyone had any doubt about uh, a couple players, it's a good trial run. Yeah. yeah. Guys like Pham, yeah. uh, Trent Grisham. Um, yeah. Rick Porcello. Yeah. yeah. You figured it out before yeah. you ha- it actually counts. Yep. <laughs> I, try, I try to take shots on some of those guys that that I'm not really sure about just so I can watch them every day. Yeah. Just to see. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Jamie, you got any questions? No. Hey, just, uh, you know, a, a nice start by you. Once you get Yelich uh, going, you know, the 120, one for 27 with 12 strikeouts is very uh, unlike him. So yeah. I, I think once you get that going, um, you should be uh, you, you should be in good shape. And, and it's good to hear you say, hey, you, you, you're using this year as a primer for next year. I mean, a lot of owners should be doing that. So, um, you know, good for you. And uh, you have you have by far the best um, team name. Uh, How do you come up with that? 
Honestly, I just thought about that when I was like in fifth grade, and I remembered it. <laughs> I've used it before in other baseball leagues, so it's not a, it's not new, it's not making its appearance here, but yeah, that's cool, man. Well, it it, it works. Yeah, yeah, it definitely works. All right, well, thanks, right. Case. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and I feel like we, Jamie, do we have Josh on the line? We do. Josh, you there? I'm here, guys. Yeah. All right, much clearer this Thanks, this Case, time, for buddy. jumping on. Yeah, thank you. All right, Jamie, you got it. All right. Hey, Josh, thanks for uh, jumping on with us. I really appreciate it. Um, how have you been spending your time since the last time? We talked to you, I think it was back in March sometime. Bring us yeah, up to date. What's been happening with you? Uh, you know what, man? I've been pretty much status quo. My, my, like, we had a little talk before that uh, my life hasn't changed a whole lot day to day. I mean, I've been working throughout, working both jobs. I lost a couple hours here and there, but uh, my wife went on unemployment, which, you know, you, you feel kind of crappy saying, but I mean, we, we made out a little better in that regard <clears throat> as far as her. So, sure. Um, outside of, you know, not being able to do a whole lot of stuff with the two young kids and such. We really haven't changed a whole lot. How old are your kids, Josh? My kid, my daughter will be 11 in two weeks, or three okay. weeks, and uh, my son turned six back in February. So, Okay. And and you're in Perkiomen Valley School District, right? Correct, yes. Okay. So so what's happening there in terms of start of school, and what are your plans, you know, as we're talking here on August 2nd? Well, a couple of schools in the area are doing they, they decided they're going all online until i guess basically the first marking period up in november our school is going to do the same thing but they they kind of put an earlier stop date they're going to go to uh september and then reassess but uh i don't know the way things are kind of trending it don't look real good for anything to break through <laughs> at this point you know so. no I, I i agree with you i agree with you all right um, hey, let's uh, let's take things in a little bit different direction. You know, um, I guess it was two weeks ago um, we actually had the uh, the Bush League draft, and and I know you you've been in other leagues before. You're in the Republic League, which is an online draft, and congratulations because right now you have a uh, pretty sizable lead in the Republic League. So um, yeah, I'm coming for you. Yeah, the uh, the computer did a great job drafting that. <laughs> the, the unknown snake draft that that draft was, you know. What were your thoughts on the Bush League draft? Uh, you know, it, it's different. Like you said, I've, I've done snake drafts before. I'm in the, a bunch of football leagues, so, I mean, that's kind of the norm for our football leagues. But, uh, you know, I, I look forward, since I've been in this league, to the actual auction thing, just because I, I'd like the one-on-one, the competitiveness of the drafting part of it. You know, you're competing sure. with a guy, you're trying to, you know, plan five rounds ahead sometimes, depending on what you want to spend on guys. So um, in that sense, I mean, it, it was it was familiar, obviously, to Snake Jet, but for the league, this league, I, I enjoy the uh, auction draft much more. But, I mean, you know, different times, different, different ways of having to do things. So, Yeah, the, the auction is, is really different from anything you experience because as we've talked on this podcast before, um, you're in on every player – you're potentially out on every player, and, you know, you, you go in with a plan, but the plan gets destroyed about three rounds in, um, or actually three players in. Um, but it's, it's, it's long. It's grueling. you got to be prepared because it's a, it's a five-, six-hour uh, draft, and 
you know, if you're like me and you start drinking at nine o'clock in the morning, it gets yeah. pretty dicey by the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we have that in common, so. <laughs> hey, let's let's talk about your team for a second here. Um, uh, let, let's see. Uh, CBS had predicted you to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack, um, like seventh place. You know, you and I are around seventh place. Right now, you're 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 hanging uh, in, in third place, looking pretty respectable. Let's 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 talk about your team and your and, and your draft. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, first of all, uh, the CBS rankings are crap. <laughs> as my as my buddy Mr. Bob Fry will tell you that uh, CBS and Yahoo, he, he wins best draft every friggin' year in all these. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it doesn't always or ever work out that way for him. So I mean, I just you know, it's, it's like winning. Best draft in anything. Only time will tell, right? Yes. Um, uh, Drake went, you kind of expect him. I mean, it kind of flip flopped and took Arenado there over Story at the beginning. That's really just a personal preference, I guess, thing. I mean, I'm an Arenado fan. Probably lost some points in the speed department or the, the base stealing department, but uh, kind of hoping Arenado still be pretty pissed off with, with everything Rocky related. And that kind of give him a little mm-hmm. extra kick. You know, stories starting off a little quicker than him, obviously. Um, I was a little surprised, not surprised he had uh, <clears throat> dealt with the COVID virus, but uh, Freddie Freeman kind of hung around as long as he did. I think I got him in round three. So I was happy yeah, I wanted, I wanted to talk about that because I guess he was really, you know, end of uh, first round, beginning of second round type player, and you got him uh, third round. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. he's, you know, he, he, he's doing fairly well at this point. At least he's, he's playing every day. Yeah, he started off a little slow, and I mean, I don't know. I think I like when I was listening to you guys talking with Casey. It's kind of a crapshoot year with some of this stuff, and mm-hmm. and that's what's going to be interesting about the, the fantasy scoring angle. I mean, there's going to be some some swings, you would think, especially with pitchers, because you know you got guys going four innings in some cases, and it's just going to be different. And again, you got multiple guys out who haven't played in two weeks now. Some people, so it's just a everything's going to be up in the air. Yeah, it's really difficult. You know, talking about your pitching, uh, Kyle Hendricks um, had a great first start, uh, complete game, I believe it was. Uh, second start, yeah. not so much, but uh, um, he looks like he's the one that's going to be leading your your, your uh, uh, pitching staff. Um, Aaron Nola has only gotten, unfortunately, one start before um, he was kind of shut down. Talk about your pitching for a second. You know, I actually, uh, some of the names are kind of a, uh guys from the pad, like John Leslie pitched really well his first start, too, but uh, I actually kind of like my pitching. Um, very volatile, some guys who haven't really, you know, their teeth is a full, uh, behind them, but I like that. I took some relievers that I thought would give me a chance to, to get some saves. I mean, I get that bag of crap Wade Davis again, but he uh, kind of fought with him. I took Oberg. I didn't think Oberg would be out for a couple weeks like this. Kind of figure out of two of them, I get somebody to Kind of at least pick up them saves for Colorado. Took Kinsler from Florida, you know, hoping that they would win, you know, not two out of three from the Phillies, but he would rack up their saves whenever they got it. Right. So I kind of went with that angle with the, the uh, relievers. And so again, Nola kind of got, you get to the point in all these drafts where you start seeing guys fall off the board in certain positions. It's like, oh crap, I got to go get a pitcher, you know, I better go get a outfielder. And so, um, I think I took him in the fourth or fifth round or something, Nola, I believe. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
fairly happy with my, my pitching. So just yeah, just looking at the standings right now, um, you and I both have five five saves uh, a week into the season, and then the, the mm-hmm. next closest are uh, you know everybody else at, uh, at either one or zero. So uh, you know so far so good in 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 terms of you know, I, I guess really that's what you're looking for. It's nice if you can pick up some some uh, strikeouts and some ratio with relievers, but uh, at yeah. the end of the day, I think it's what, what you want is the saves. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I could guys that, you know, pretty much almost all closures with Melanchthon and uh, Kinsler and Wade Davis or Overt. So I did try and get that. Uh, I'm normally a strikeout guy, like you said, but again, we had a little more, a lot more players to choose from with not having anybody protected. So pool was a little bigger. So is is Robbie Ray one of your? Uh, I, I know you and the Bearcats seem to like Robbie Ray. Right. Um, yeah, the guy can be yeah. maddening, can he? Yeah, I'm a big Robbie Ray guy. He was a uh, he had a really good spring or summer 2.0 boat, whatever you want to call each of those, and he looked like maybe this is his walk year too. So he kind of looked like maybe this he's in line for a big year, and then uh, first few starts, kind of the old Robbie Ray crept up where he's high pitch counts, a lot of walks. So that's kind of your your deal with with Ray over the years is to get a lot of strikeouts, but you'll get a lot of walks and six innings maybe you know yeah absolutely um hey let's uh let's change course for for a second here and um one of the things on our previous podcast we were talking about um team nicknames and how everybody came up with 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 their team nicknames um you know i really like uh casey's which was honey nut ichiro's but Mm -hmm. uh why don't you talk about yours uh lenny's landmine for people that haven't heard uh your uh yeah, the background on that. Yeah, well, basically, I have a borderline teenage girl obsession with that uh, early <laughs> to mid nineties. I, I think you've crossed the borderline <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, why hide a short thing, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, post post uh, two thousand and whatever, Lenny Dykstra is kind of a scumbag, obviously, but. Uh, Early nine, early mid nineties, you know, childhood hero Lenny Dykstra was my my thing. So, uh, Lenny's landmine kind of referred to his giant uh, piles of chaw that he left on that beautiful neon green carpet at the Veterans Stadium. So, <laughs> it was kind of nice. my, my ode to that. <laughs> uh, I remember, but for any uh, you guys remember Andy Van Slyke's brief Phillies tenure, he uh, to say how much he hated coming to Philly because. Uh, like sure would just leave landmines and chew all throughout center field. So. Okay. Very good. Very nice. Did you ever chew? Uh, yeah, yeah, quite a bit. I'm still uh, not as much now as I used to, but every okay. once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll buy a tin. But yeah, I'm, all right. I was a long time, long time dipper. Because I, I think we had a couple owners that dipped. I think, Rod, you just gave it up a couple years ago, right? I did not. No. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I actually, right. quit. <laughs> I actually quit for about two years, the longest I made it, and then uh, kind of went on a, a spree again for whatever reason. But uh, now I'm down to, you know, I'll buy a pen, and it'll last me a couple weeks to not uh, up in my face four times a day or whatever. So. <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, on Fab? We're trying to get this. CBS Sportsline working, uh, you know, they, they didn't charge us this year, but they oh. they seem to be somewhat lacking um, in performance. 
Yeah. Um, again, uh, I, I watch you guys in the group chat going back and forth about this. Normally, I prefer CBS. We use CBS when I won football league, and I generally prefer that over Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I don't. I'm not the administrator, obviously, so it's less frustrating for me in that regard. But um, yeah, I've got like a few semi better than crappy or basically crappy players I'm waiting to see if I can snare. So whenever it pops up, I need to improve my outfield, obviously. So anybody who may be a little better than a pile of crap would be better for me. I I, I have a feeling um, that we're all going to be going after the same player tonight. So uh, if if Fab should run. So, uh, you know, with that, I won't won't divulge any more. Um, last question for you, because I appreciate you coming on today and spending your uh, your Sunday morning with us. Um, That's right. Favorite bourbon? Favorite bourbon? You're a bourbon guy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have the that bank account to dabble on some of the higher end things. But, <laughs> um, but like, solid one thing. I, I love Woodford. It's always solid to me. Uh, okay. Woodford Reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a couple of good ones that aren't there. So, like, Bullet Bourbon's always a solid, solid little bourbon. And then uh, I go with, you know, my mid-range red-headed stepchild, the Jack Daniels, Evan Williams, and uh, the is pretty okay with anything. So, and your pocket you know, as well. Yeah, you, you can't uh, you, you can't go wrong there. And don't, let's don't forget our uh, our good cousin Jim Bean too. So, uh. oh yeah, <laughs> yes, I enjoy what? the Jim too. Well, you know what, Josh? Once this is all behind us, uh, I'll, I'll have you over. We'll, we'll have a couple of bourbons on the on, on the deck, and uh, you know we'll, we'll try a couple because I have a few down there. Um, okay. But uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, let me just see, Rod. Did you have any questions for Josh? No, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for having us, and thanks for uh, uh, clarifying that Lenny's landmines. I forgot about that. A, uh, Alex, uh, the the Van Slyke story. I, I forgot about that, and that's where that term came from. So yeah, that is that is relevant, and uh, I'm sure as a visiting center fielder, that was quite annoying <laughs> to walk to walk in center field yeah. and see all that stuff all over the place. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've been walking around outside, stepping in some pile of dog crap, and oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> what the uh, equivalent was to that. You know, so. that's funny. Yeah, no. Hey, hey thanks. thanks. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Josh. Um, keep us updated what's happening with the, uh, the the kids. And uh, uh, again, I'm coming after you in the Republic League because I'm going to win this again. So uh, you know, stay on your uh, daily picks. Hey man, I appreciate it, guys. And you know, the Republic League—I've I- won that league one time, just in closing. And uh, like this year, it was for no money. So maybe it's meant to be for me again. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, Josh. Take care. Thanks, guys. You too. I'll talk to you. All right, Jamie, you still with us? Yeah, All right. I, I I am. That was good to. Uh, that's good to hear from him. You know, I, I like catching up with with you know Case and, and and Josh just to find out what everybody's been doing because, you know, what are we on episode like twenty seven? Twenty six. Today's our twenty sixth episode. Twenty six. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So who would have thought we would have been this far um, along? But um, I, I look back and I think we've talked to a lot of these owners back in 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 March. So um, it's good to catch up just to see what's happened in, in their lives. I, I know for me, it's more like Groundhog Day than anything else, and that's probably true for most people. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I think you're right. It, 
especially with, uh, with with cases in school and then Sam's getting ready to go to school, uh, their lives have changed a little bit um, as far as learning to figure out how to be a student online, which which is pretty difficult uh, if you're not used to it and you don't learn like that. So um, yeah, yeah. So all right. So, so can can I can yeah. I let me just ask you another question first. Um, how is uh, how is the new job? Two questions, I guess it is. Yeah. How is your new job going? And um, are you happy not to be back in a physical brick and mortar school environment? Uh, okay, so yeah, I am happy with the job. I I I enjoy it. Um, it it's uh, you know, being in the Air Force and now working for the Navy. Uh, the best way to explain it is like if you were a quarterback on one team. And now you're a quarterback on another team. You have to learn the verbiage, just the. But the processes are pretty much the same. Which once I learn the verbiage, I'll be 100% confident. Um, I do like the fact not going in. I like working from home, and I think I mentioned that yes uh, last week on my on my opening. Um, I, I I think I'm built for it. I, I enjoy it. I I think I'm more productive to be honest with you. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But and we'll and what about, goes. what about being out of the physical uh, brick and mortar school environment just in, in today's world? Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I'm not going back in there. And I, I think schools need to kind of be weary of, and again, it, this, it, you know, baseball isn't, isn't uh, indicative of society, but what we're seeing with the baseball players, not following protocols, what we're seeing is, young adults not following protocols and adolescents don't follow protocols. If you remember what, what a high school was like, uh, they, they, they want to follow protocols. They like being reinforced positively when they follow protocols, but they're adolescents and, and they're, they're not going to follow them all the time. Um, and it, they're going to end up shutting schools down halfway through. I, I think they need to stop trying to figure out how to punch a, uh, a square peg into a round hole. Uh, I think they just need to go online, uh, you know, through the December break and then reevaluate then. But, you know, I'm not a superintendent of a school. I'm just someone who's worked in a school for a couple of years. Um, but that, that's, that's what I, that's what I think. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, with baseball, we have, we have some, we have some baseball discussions. Uh, the Marlins outbreak, I think it's up to 20 players and staff members. Um, what are your thoughts on the Marlins situation? Um, I, I guess it, it, I, I think you described it accurately. You know, it's trying to contain, you know, 20 something um, and say, hey, you have to do this and live your life in a bubble, you know, because, you know, for me, as a 50-year-old, it's easy for me to stay in the house and be and be a hermit. I, but if you're that age, I, I think it's very difficult, and it's unfortunate that it, that it had to happen. I, I think there's some talk that it really happened when they were in the Marlins were in Atlanta. Is that correct? Yeah. So Bob Nightingale from the USA Today is on record saying at least one, if not more, Marlins went out for a night while they were in the ATL. Um, playing an exhibition series against against Atlanta before they moved to Philly, and that was reported on NBC Sports Philadelphia webpage. Um, and, and, you know, the Cardinals popped up again, too, 
that it's reported that they went to a, a golf a, a golf course slash casino whistling straights um, but apparently they did more than golf they hung out in the clubhouse a little bit and uh, uh, Jerry Hairston has reported it who I guess is an announcer now um, and there's been a, a couple um, a couple players squawking back at these guys in a passive aggressive manner I'll give you an example Anthony Rizzo tweeted Player safety question mark. Let's sit around for eight hour eight eight plus hours inside the clubhouse. I'm sure I could find that somewhere in the 113 page player safety protocol. So he wasn't he wasn't calling out players specifically. He didn't even mention the Cardinals. So it's a little passive aggressive. But other players are noticing that hey we're running into problems because there's people out there not following rules. Sure. Yeah. And- and isn't that what Twitter is all about, is being passive-aggressive? So right. it really fits my personality perfectly. Right. right. Spiteful, bitter. You could get all your negative emotions out in a passive-aggressive way. Yeah. And you feel better. And as long as you can do it in, in 140 characters or less, it's probably perfect. That's, you know, and, and if you can be snarky at the same time, it, fits, it checks all the boxes for, for Twitter. Yeah. So, it's, you know, the, the Marlins have affected the Bush League greatly. Not only do we have Marlin players, but they were scheduled to play National League teams. Thus, their games were canceled. Um, yeah, I mean, do you do you have Marlin players on your team? Uh, yeah, I have uh, a John Birdie. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but but just yeah, Fab Alert. I'm not sure how long I'm going to keep him, just because I don't know what's going to go on with the Marlins. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, and I have Urena. What about you? I I have Urena on. Okay. Yeah, and although he's a a four, you know, number four pitcher, on I think he's 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 good. He's a good pitcher, and I want him. I was going to play him, and you know, just kind of see if he can get a win here and there. Of course, they they beat the Phillies two out of three. Remember, I told you the Phillies have some holes, man, and you can't let the Marlins, <laughs> who are a bad team, come in and take two out of three on you. At home, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, I think, and now the Cardinals thing's going to affect it. Um, you know, j- just the j- the Phillies haven't played in a week. The last game they played was a week ago today, and it's because of the Marlins, right? The Marlins popped positive. They they canceled the the Yankee series, the four game Yankee series, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Blue Jays refused to come in on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So. The Marlins affected the Phillies all week. They, yeah, they haven't played in seven days. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit unfortunate. And let's little go a little bit more myopic because um, I think on the last podcast you had talked about um, you had talked about Adam Hazley. And as of Sunday morning, when we had our last podcast uh, a week ago, he hadn't played. And the guy gets off to what? He, he goes four for six on that Sunday game, and then. <laughs> Then gets shut down. Yeah, yeah. He four for six with a stolen base, and then he gets shut down. Yeah, um, that kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if if they're scheduled to play tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. I, I think they got the Mets coming up uh, this week, and you know, like I said, we'll okay. we'll, we'll kind of see what happens uh, if they can get through a, a seven day stretch and play in six games. Uh, but yeah, the Marlins have affected the National League East at least pretty significantly. Um, uh, mainly the Phillies. Um, and then we have the, the, the two, the one team that really isn't affected is the Dodgers. 
Yeah, we have the Astro Dodgers series. This was perfect to lead off this week. And we have the Joe Kelly incident. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Mr. Kelly? Okay, so uh, for for full disclosure, um, he originally came up in the Cardinals organization. Yeah. Um, played on their 2013 World Series team um, and, and had a great year. He, he went, you know, 10 and 5, um, 2.69 ERA. So I am a I am a Joe Kelly fan. And, you know, he was always one of these guys that uh, was, was a little bit goofy. Um, you, you know, this you know, this had to happen. Um, the only way it could have been any better is if there were actual fans in, in, in the stand. Um, I, I guess the only thing I didn't like about Joe Kelly's um, performance was, you know, if you're going to hit somebody, hit them below the uh, below the neck, you know, below the shoulders. You know, um, a couple of those pitches came pretty close to uh, to beating um, a couple players. So um, that's the part that I that I had an issue with. Other than that, you know, Astros should uh, should expect that. Yeah. Uh, well, two things. That that pitch over Bregman's head wasn't real close. I didn't think it was – there was no danger of, of Bregman getting hit, and I think Kelly knew that. That's he, a good point. He did throw that That's a good hard. point. I mean, that ball that ball took off. And when you're in a batter's box, all you see is that ball initially coming at your head. So I'm sure there's a – you know, there's some tightness that went through Bregman's body, but he was in, he was in any danger of getting hit. Um, Korea uh, – I think overreacted. I think he needed to shut up and color when, when uh, you know, Kelly said, nice swing, B. Um, it, he should have just put yep. his head down and move on, right? And if, if you remember back in February, I, I petitioned baseball to institute the unwritten rule where everyone, every team has one shot at the Astros. That's the Dodgers <laughs> shot. You did say that. Yep. That's their shot. He didn't hit anybody. He scared a couple people, and he embarrassed Korea. Um but, you know, they should just play on from here. At least the Dodgers should. Now, uh, a couple of things stuck out with me with that, with that Bregman-Kelly thing. I watched that a couple times, and that's just, just not in snippets. I watched – I found the YouTube, the series, that whole pitch series. Um, that, okay. that umpire never came out and warned anyone. Now, you, you know umpires are flying out, of, flying out from their crouch – and pointing at both both dugouts right away, especially in that scenario. In that scenario, uh, he never warned anyone. What? So what? <laughs> that kind of stuck out to me a little bit. Where the umpire was like, "All right, I knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when." And all right, there's no reason to warn anyone. I know what's happening. The benches know what's happening. We'll just press on. If it happens again, then I'll, I'll get involved. But. The fact that the umpire never came out and warned anyone was a problem uh, to me. It, in relation to what Manford, how Manford reacted to that situation. When the umpire doesn't react, and he's the guy on the field involved in it, doesn't react uh, with with like the the fury of an eight-game suspension. Then I'm I'm shocked that Manford did as well. So, so let me ask you something. The, the fact that there was no warning and the fact that Joe Kelly got an eight-game warning in a 60-game season, which if you extrapolate that, that's what, close to 22 games? Yeah. Do you think that's a little bit harsh? Oh, it's way harsh. It's way harsh. 
so give me some perspective. It is a while ago, but it's the same type of situation where the Dodgers and Mets in the 14th season got into a couple of these scenarios where people were getting hit. In the World Series, Syndergaard throws behind Chase Utley, and he got thrown out of the game. He got thrown out of the game immediately. And he threw it behind him, just like Kelly did to Bregman. Like, Utley was in no danger of getting hit, and he threw him right out of the game. So when I see this situation, this is that ball appears to be up at his head. You would think the umpire would react to that. And, and now Manfred suspends Kelly for eight days. What's that do to the next team that wants their crack at the Astros? Now the precedent's set. Well, you know, yes, certainly it, it does set the precedence. But isn't that funny, Bill? You know, Joe Kelly wants to get some, some, some retribution, and he gets suspended for, for essentially 22 games um, in, in, in a full season. Meanwhile, the people that, that were cheating here, known cheaters, admitted cheaters, yeah. um, got immunity to, to, to all of this. And there's, there's, been, there's been no punishment, so, you know, other than you know, the, the court of public opinion. I, I don't know. I, I just find it totally unfair. And then, you know, for, for, for Dusty Baker to, to say, hey, this, they, this, this can't happen, he knows this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and, and same thing with, with, their, with their wacky owner, Jim Crane. I, I, I'm, I'm just tired of the Astros. And, you know, as I said on podcast before, I, I, wish, I wish that this was um, top news and not, not, not the virus, and that we were talking about how they're getting booed and how they're in last place in the American League West. Well, the other thing, too, is the fact that the players huddled together you know, uh, you know, in an intimidating fashion, but it's still, you know, you had about 30 guys within three inches of each other yelling at each other, breathing on each other, spitting at each other. That's a problem in itself, right? That, yeah, if, if someone had, yeah. if someone was a, had the virus and asymptomatic, that the, both of those teams could be completely decimated because they, they yep. the Astros just couldn't put their head down and run to first base. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. And, and, and that's what I mean. You're dealing, with, you're dealing with young adults who don't understand the impact that their, beha- their actions have on a larger scale. And it, it's, yeah, that, that's what I mean uh, about that age. And the other thing, too, is, you know, and we, we've talked about Dusty Baker early on, you know, when they were still in spring training, when he, he thought the commissioner should issue a warning right now to all the teams. And I got on him a little bit saying you walk around with a toothpick in your mouth, acting like you're tough, and now you're waving a white flag. And, and Dusty Baker ought to be taking the toothpick out of his mouth at this point. Like, he's not as tough as I thought he was. He ought to tell those guys, hey, man, you did this. We'll, be, we'll get through it. It's okay. Don't let it distract you. You're still the best team in baseball. But he's not. He's, he's harping on this thing that he wasn't even involved in, and he, 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 should be, he should be leading that team a little differently. So, Dusty, take the toothpick out. You're not tough anymore. Anyway, <laughs> do you feel better now? I do. Yeah. Uh, so the the other thing that we brought up last week was the pitching performances and the amount of strikeouts that these pitchers are racking up. Uh, I looked on the Baseball Reference page, and there's still eight eight to nine guys with two starts that have over a double digit strikeouts per nine innings, and. Uh, there's a couple of them, a couple p- 
pitchers that would surprise you. Uh, Joe Musgrove is on there. He's striking out 11.9 okay. per nine. Drew Smiley is 11.8 strikeouts per nine. Drew Smiley. He was with the Phillies last year. Um, you know, Rob, yeah. Robbie Ray, it's the only time he gets people out. It's when he strikes them out because he's got a, like a five ERA. And he's got 11, 11 plus strikeouts per nine innings. Um, it, does he, he also of, has like nine walks, too. <laughs> right. Did the amount of strikeouts still hanging on surprise you? No, not not, not this early in the season. I, right. I think hitters yeah. are starting to uh, trying to get their timing back, and you know, with, with this start-stop um, season, um, I, I think the strikeouts will continue. Yeah. Um, so uh, if it, it if this was a uh, if this was a regular Bush League season, our strikeout, we might set a Bush League record in team strikeouts in the next 60 games, uh, just having 60 games, uh, all these pitchers striking out. Um, and and then we have uh, baseball talking about seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, I'm for this, this seven-inning doubleheader thing. What, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm behind it too. I I just want to see if they can get some of these games in. Um, it's it's uh, a season unlike any other. So I'm okay with 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 seven inning doubleheaders. Just like I'm okay with having a runner on second base in the tenth inning. Uh, and this year, it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and and there's been a couple of extra inning games that went beyond ten innings too. It's not like they just, um, you know, that that is a key to to scoring right away. I mean, a couple of them went to 13 innings. Um, I think one went to 14, but I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm for the doubleheader thing as well. And, and uh, you know, maybe the players are too. Just they can – there's less movement amongst players at that point, hotel, bus, all that stuff like that. And you can just knock out two games in a day. That's, that's kind of nice. Um, and then our friend A-Rod – rears his ugly head again <laughs> oh boy and and for those who are listening we're a national league baseball organization we really are kind of different to anyone in the american league for the most part but a rod the reason why we talk about him so much i feel like he sets these bowling pins up for us and they're easy knockdowns so a rod you know we talked about the last week or so that him and j-lo are are actually in the running for being a partner of buying the Mets. So A-Rod, which I think was a, a pretty good idea of reaching out to an owner to say, hey, you know, what's it like? You know, what, what should I expect? We, you know, just to get some experience, right? To sit down and talk to someone to have experience. So there's 30 owners in the league, right? Is how many teams there are? 30? I don't know. 30 teams? Yep, yep. Of all the team owners he chooses at this time, he chooses the Astros' Jim Crane. So when we talked about before that, hey, does A-Rod, can he read a room? I don't think he can read a room. And he's proven this again. He can't read a room. Why the hell would you go to Jim Crane at this time? Uh, I'll tell you why, right? Birds of a feather, right? Uh, A-Rod a is, uh, is, is known to use PDE, essentially cheating. And I'm imagining in my own mind, the way this conversation went down, 
is Arod calls him up and says, hey, Jim, as you know, uh, I was uh, using PEDs, um, and I got suspended for a year. Um, you guys cheated and won a World Series. How did you get away with it? I'd like to employ that if I uh, actually get to get a, you know, get this uh, Mets franchise. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, maybe he'd let off, hey, uh, and I'm not real concerned about the finances. Show me your electronics. So show me the center field camera and let me let me look at those trash cans that you're using because maybe we'll get the same ones. Yeah, I, I, I'd find it crazy that he went to Jim Crane. Yeah, well, you know, it just like you said, it just shows his his he, he, he's such an insincere person. I, I don't think we're the only ones. Um, if you if you go on to Twitter, if you read any kind of articles, individuals, media, nobody really likes this guy and um you know I, i'm torn between him you know getting the franchise um and, ju- and just dogging that team um or just just wanting him to go away i can't figure out which one i want yeah i think it's the latter yeah really if if any owner he should have went after is the he should have went to talk to the 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 rays or the uh, oakland a owners because he's not going to have any money you know <laughs> To, to run a franchise and he needs to figure out how to run a franchise without any money. And those, those two franchises seem to do it right. Um, uh, okay. So today in baseball history, and we have some interesting things here, baseball history, 1921 Chicago jury acquits the eight white Sox players of fixing games in the 1919 world series. Uh, it's reported in a couple places that the jurors actually lifted defendants, the defendants on their shoulders and <laughs> out of the courtroom. <laughs> um, of course, that was all, all that was uh, short-lived because uh, Judge Landis, who became the commissioner, um, ended up suspending the or kicking those guys out of baseball for life, and n- none of them ever got back in. Um, it, yeah, it's just kind of funny. And I and now now I'm starting to think. So this was in July or August, August, August second. I guess they didn't have a game that day or they didn't play or uh, while they were all sitting in court. Um, Cause back then every, everything was a day game. Um, next is, I, I, I yeah. guess they were, I, I guess they were the first team to really be quarantined then, weren't they? A <laughs> right. hundred uh, years earlier. <laughs> 1987, Eric, the red Eric Davis, Hits the 30 homer stone base mark, the earliest part of the season in baseball history. Uh, 1987, um, we were three years into the league. Uh, he was probably a hot commodity. He was only 25 years old, and surprisingly, it's the only season he hit 30 homers and stole 30 bases. Does that surprise you? Um, I was a big. Yes, it, it absolutely does. Um, I was a big um, Eric Davis fan. Um, I see in the 87 season he hit 37 homers, uh, 50 stolen, stole 50 bases, 100 RBIs, 120 runs, and a 293 average. So, um, yeah, a really nice year by by him. He was just an all-out player, right? Yeah, I, I, and what I remember about Eric Davis is um, his athletic ability. Number one, I mean, the guy could do everything. And when he would hit home runs, those balls would be out. Like they were like, like a rocket when there weren't towering shots. I mean, he hit line drive home runs. Um, 
He's he's one of two players that I remember doing that. Eric Davis and then Kevin Mitchell. When Kevin Mitchell hit homers, he Kevin Mitchell. Yeah, he would hit line drive home runs, um, and and they were dead red fastball hitters. I mean, you you couldn't throw. You, there's not a lot of fastball pitchers that can throw the ball by him on a consistent basis. Uh, very quick hands. And then uh, 1998. So. Cuba extends its world, its world Baseball Championship, which is it used to be called the International Baseball Federation. It's different than the World Baseball Classic. So this is pre-World Baseball Classic. It extends its World Baseball Championship consecutive victories to 41 games. They From 1986 to 1998, they didn't lose a competitive game in the World Baseball Championships. <laughs> you believe that? Jeez, man. In, 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 you know what? I, I know their teams were stacked, obviously, because players couldn't go anywhere. But, in, you know, baseball, given the game that it is, it's hard to believe that you could win 41 straight. I can see it happening in basketball, but it's hard to believe that it would happen in the game of baseball. Yeah. Um, and and I, I did some research, and there was only one documented player that defected in the 80s. His name was Barbaro Garbay. Um, played a little bit in the big leagues. He, he's a coach now. Um, but it, it's in the 90s, 24 defected. In the 2000s, 31. In the 2010s, 48. So that, that floodgate is, is, is open now. And, of course, they, they struggle. I mean, it's more competitive, the World Baseball Classic, than it has been in the past. I mean, Cuba would pretty much dominate that, obviously dominate that, that, uh, that, that tournament with Korea, South Korea being involved, Japan, and then Dominican. Um, but now that now that a lot of them are, are defecting, they're probably not allowed to go back. I don't know if a lot of players go back to play on the Cuba team. Maybe they do now, but I'm not sure about the early two, 2000s or the 90s if they went back. Um, yeah, so it was just – it was. I found it interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just found it interesting. So – uh, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good, a lot of good talent coming out of uh, out of Cuba, and you know if this season should play on, they may have the next uh, rookie of the year in the American League, and that's Lewis Roberts um, yeah. of the White Sox, really yeah. good player. Yeah, in fact, uh, Luis, excuse me. Yeah, Luis Roberts is is uh, Cuban, and and I think they have Jose Abreu there still, who was Cuban as well, um, who's a, yeah really good player. Uh, so. Uh, Last section, the walk-off, right? Um, yes. This is my thoughts here, that Manfred should be suspending the Marlins players and not Joe Kelly and Dave Roberts. The Marlins players are negatively affecting this, this, this try, this outcome here of, of, of baseball, and he, he needs to deal with them. He, he needs to deal with that team. Or this season is going to be shut down by the end of the week. Joe Kelly is a small cog in the big in the big system here, but 18 Marlin players is is a large cog that has affected the National League East uh, over the past seven days. Yeah, I, I just I guess this just goes to the fragility of this 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 whole. Um, idea of trying to restart baseball it's just going to be very difficult and 
you know, as we're saying, a couple players can, can mess it up for the, the entire league. And um, I don't know what I, I, I guess they're getting their, their, their uh, just desserts, if you will, um, by the fact that they're, they're not playing. But as you point out, the fact that it's affecting so many others and, and people that um, outside of the, the major leaguers that, that, that make their living off of, uh, off of baseball, it's, uh, yeah. yep. it's, it's just a really difficult situation. I, I just hope that, you know, next week our biggest issue is talking about how bad our fab picks were <laughs> and not that baseball has shut down. So I, I do have a, uh, I have one statement and one question for you before we, before we end this. Um, you, you mentioned last okay. uh, you mentioned last week again, or maybe the week before, and Christy brought it up to me, uh, my wife who listens to the podcast. Uh, why, why are you turning on the Hank Aaron being the greatest offensive player in the history of baseball? You, you mentioned that a couple times, and she she wanted to know why you were starting to think that way. Um, you know, if you if you look at his his, his career stats, I, I, I think it's. I, I think it has to do with the media, as we had talked about. Um, he just had a very consistent career, right? He never hit over 50 home runs. He wasn't in a large market and just uh, just a really good guy. And a lot of players got a lot of more, a lot more media than, than he ever did. He wasn't a real flashy player like, like Willie Mays. He wasn't losing his hat going around the bases. Yeah. Didn't steal a lot of bases like, like, like Ricky Henderson. He just did everything well. And um, I think the more you had me look into the stats and the more you talked about it and just the stuff that he did and how consistent he was over his career, um, I'm just coming around to that. Yet, I always knew he was a top 10 baseball player. I didn't know if he was the best player of all time, but I think I'm coming around to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, if you're listening, we sent out, I sent out a, uh, uh, a personal message to Daniel Okrent on Twitter. So Daniel, if you're listening, love to have you on, uh, as the, I, I, I guess the godfather of rotisserie baseball, uh, fantasy baseball. We, we'd love to have you on our, our, uh, our podcast. So that, that's, that's the only, uh, that's the only other thing I have. And, 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 and if I can just add to that, um, uh, to, to, to Daniel, I actually have the, um, uh, original copy of the rotisserie league baseball, um, book, that I purchased back in 1984. Um, that's um, the introduction is by Daniel Okrent, and I still have the price tag on it um, at two dollars and ninety-five cents. So if if he's out there, I am willing to pay him a royalty of two dollars and ninety-five cents because these guys that started Rotisserie League never got their just dues, and I think that's why they call it fantasy baseball now, so nobody has to pay them. So um, if you're out there. Not only will we have you on, but I'll pay the $2.95 that I paid for this book back in 1984. <laughs> Very nice. That's a nice gesture. All right, uh, Daniel, if you're listening, go ahead and, and reach back out to me. All right, Jamie, you got anything else? Uh, nope. Uh, Chief, just, just stay safe, and uh, we'll be texting throughout the week, and hopefully baseball stay safe and everybody else out there stay safe. All right, champ. Talk to you next week.